Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Gabe, real quick, 30-second take here on the top. <laughs> um, I, 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 I fell into it today, um, and I was mad at myself for doing it, but can we just please stop going at Dickie, Dick Battelle online? Like, he's 85 years old. People don't need to be attacking this man. Just let him talk and let him go on with his day. Like, just just, just leave it alone, please. I, I have the immensely like contrarian take that Dickie V is actually fine and that he is what he is (laughs) and that I get why people are annoyed with him. It annoys me too. I find myself yelling at him and like, you're just like, stop talking about the same five teams. It's incredibly annoying. And yes, Mm -hmm. his transfer takes are are questionable at best, but (laughs) when Dickie V stops doing college basketball, it's going to be a tremendous loss. And like, don't pretend, will be. don't pretend like you're going to not be sad when Dick Vitale's gone and you don't have like this absolute joke of a South Florida man just be like, oh, Duke versus Kentucky, baby. Like, you're going to miss it. Right. You're going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, like, you, I mean, you're going to have Jimmy Dykes and and the the, the Jimmy train. And it's going to be on like it's going to be him and Jay Billis. Like, I, and, I and love then, um, I love Jay Billis. You're, you're going to miss like, it. Jay Billis like brings a smartness to college basketball that it often doesn't have, but he loves himself, but, but he just doesn't bring the same energy to the gravitas of the moment that you get Mm -hmm. from a guy like Vital. Like you just like, yeah, it's not that way right now, but like early thousands, like that was how I grew up watching Louisville basketball. It's just like Dick Vital's on the game. It's like, this is the big game. And I just right. like, yeah, you know that when, when, when Billis is on now and like, you just kind of have that, but it just doesn't have the same feeling that I had growing up. No, totally agree. Uh, just wanted to get that off of my chest. You can go <laughs> ahead and introduce the show and what we're going to be talking about. Today, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I got to say that we uh, we're recording this at 3 AM Sunday morning because, uh, uh, lock, um, <laughs> Um, because Noah Locke's dad posted at 1.30 a.m. I'm just kidding. It's like, te- it's it's 12.30 in the <laughs> afternoon, but Noah Locke's dad at 1.30 a.m. announced that uh, for his son that he will be transferring <laughs> to the University of Louisville, which is one of the best, uh, one of like the, like talking about mid-thousands, like one of the most mid-thousands way I've ever heard about a, like a, like a, a guy committing to Louisville was, yeah, his dad said You know, he was just like... 1.30 in the morning on Facebook. <laughs> his, his dad just had a couple beers and was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for my son. I'm just going to throw this on there. No one's going to see it got, anyway. It's got fine. Frankie, like, got Frankie, uh, Frankie edits, Tipton edits, whatever, to to make the, the 2022 <laughs> Final Four graphic with his son over the over the Superdome with his hands on a basketball. Um, and, so and we have to talk about Adam Zagorius, who jumped it out. Like, this dude is working all it props to him man, we for, sleep for in may Chris. we sleep in may um <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's news and then we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about what uh also you know we had some carly jones news where he's going to be you know testing the waters we'll talk about that and in general chris i just want to have a combo about you know what's chris max plan moving forward for this roster um you know recruiting wise what just just kind of a i don't know kind of we're going to take the temperature a little bit i think i think we're a little bit far enough away from uh from from the tournament now that it's over and baylor has taken the title i think we can look at things in a little bit different light now the now that things have kind of started to fade uh i went to a racing louisville game last night we're going to talk about that uh well the first racing louisville game and then we're going to get to your questions which uh you know six of you were kind Kind enough to send in some questions. We're always thankful for questions and always will accept questions, especially now that we get into the doldrums of summer. Uh, so, Chris, I, I guess we'll we'll get this puppy started. Let's do it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is what high school did you go to? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. As I mentioned, Noah Locke, formerly of Florida, shooting guard, uh, 6'3", shoots 40% from three, is joining Louisville, and, I, and is a, the, the third edition, or the, I guess, I'm sorry, the second edition, new edition in his transfer period um, to this backcourt. Um, 
Chris, you had a lot of takes this morning. I think, you, you know, I really, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. I would really encourage people to read uh, the thread that you shared. And it's, it's, it's definitely getting some buzz. And I think it's a really good analysis of what Locke brings to this Louisville roster. So what, you know, kind of summarize it for us. What is Louisville getting in this kid? And what should we expect um, from him in this coming season? Um, I think that potentially you're getting the best three point shooter that Chris Mack has ever recruited. Whoa. Um, and I know that's, that's, that's really <laughs> high praise, but the dude can just light it up. Um, you know, and it's, it's relying on a lot of things. It's relying on having good pastors, good creators around him. Right. Um, right. so there's, there's no guarantee that it will work at Louisville. Um, but the, the, the potential is definitely there. Um, I get, a little bit more and more excited the more I think about it um, because it's just nice to have some guys that can shoot the ball, man. Um, after the the season we went through and not just the season at Louisville, after all the poor shooting basketball teams we watched right. uh, between Louisville and Kentucky, um, it, it's nice to have, have a guy that you can go to and say he's going to score the ball. Um, like I said, I, I don't think it's going to be a guy that you're going to, you know, run the offense through. Right. Um, he, he's not the most adapt at creating his own shot um though we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that because i do think there's some potential there um but you know baseline knockdown shooter and that's exciting it's always exciting to make shots it is it's absolutely that way and i think it, it's shown chris mack you know over the three additions he's made that we weren't initially expecting um you know jared west noah Locke, and matt cross all three guys that that can shoot from outside and, and Chris Mack, he saw your tweets. He heard you. He wants his next Louisville basketball team to be able to shoot from outside. And it's, it's a breath of fresh air. And I am concerned about the, the playmaking ability. And we'll talk about Carly Jones and his possibility, but just some of the stuff, you know, going through this thread that you had, you know, you talked, you talked a lot about how great he was on, on setup, on spot up shots, um, lethal off of cuts and high screens, which I think Chris Mack has, has desperately wanted a guy that can do that. You know, I've seen his mm -hmm. offense. He's tried, he did that to a degree in, in mid range shots with Samuel Williamson, but being able to do that with a guy who can consistently hit it from outside, I think is really going to open this offense up. And uh, he's just, he's not shy to take a shot. He's not afraid. How many times did we see Quinn Slezinski, Samuel Williams, and even Josh Nickelberry, you know, Think about taking a three and decide not to. This guy's not going to do that. He's going to take good shots and he's going to make them. And that's incredibly refreshing because that was one of the to the top things I yelled at my television all season long. And there's also some evidence that the de the defensive tenacity is there. Um, you know, I don't think he's a lockdown perimeter defender based on what I've seen. Um, but you know, he's pretty good. And, and I think it's an upgrade, you know, from, from what, what they had at this level, you know, previously last year, he's definitely coming in. If you think the fact that he's taking Josh Nickelberry scholarship, you know, Josh Nickelberry's finally announced he's transferring. Uh, it's sort of the Josh Nickelberry who can make, you know, the, the, the sure. Josh Nickelberry we were promised that can make the shots and, and, and be a passable, you know, a, a decent perimeter defender and and there's and there's go ahead I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but no. there's even some numbers out there that would suggest he's a better defender than david johnson was and it was surprising for me throughout the season that david had some bad defensive numbers right. because of his length and his athleticism but you know that's that's kind of what the what what it said um so i do think the defensive stuff is uh, a little undervalued and probably won't get talked about enough but it yeah. is it is exciting to see um, no florida i mean florida was really good three-point defense sorry just you know they're 33rd in the country this past year the 41st most efficient defense in the country overall so it's and he had also just in general i think a lot of times one 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 thing people push back on is these these transfers that Louisville has gotten are guys that haven't seen you know power five play. This is a power five guy. He played sure. against really good teams. The SEC was good this year. Um, I wish he had like dropped twenty on Kentucky in one of like the three games they play or one of the two <laughs> games they played this year just to be able to have that. I think he only scored like eleven points combined, five in one game, six in the other. Uh, but you know, having just a guy who has familiarity, I think at that level is really important, and and um, it'll, it'll be nice to bring that in. Sorry to, to jump on you there. No, you talked about that um, just max offense and the cuts and the, and the screens. If you pay like, you know, any degree of high attention to like a game, you'll notice it's what's gotten really popular in college basketball. It's mm -hmm. like that baseline screen 
underneath the basket to where they, they hit the guy in the corner, the three point shooter in the corner on either end. Right. Kentucky tore up Louisville with uh, with that a few years ago with Maxi, I believe, and they'll want to do that with him. Um, so that's that's kind of exciting. I don't know. It's for some weird reason. It's always nice for me to uh, to have a guy that's like comfortable shooting in the corner and can make that shot. Um, because I always think that's like a weak spot defensively. So that's exciting. It's a weird little thing. I'm excited about. <laughs> no, definitely. It, it's going to be really interesting. And, and, you know, I, I am super excited. I don't know, man. It, it just, it, it, you, you bring in, you know, you, you've got these, these three, three point shooters, you bring in a guy like Alice who's all about pace. Obviously the Carly question is still up in the air, but it does seem like, this offense is, is, is going to be at least very exciting to watch. Very fun mm-hmm. to watch. They're going to, they're going to shoot threes a lot and hopefully make a very good amount of them. And it's going to be a pace in space. It's going to, it's a deeper team already than I think what we saw last year, especially even on the front court. I think even if, if Carly comes back, I think you've got three guys that are going to be able to play, um, you know, going to be able to play this backcourt. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I we'll talk now a little bit about the shot creating stuff. I do think like if you just watch a highlight video of him, he's he's a little twitchy and it, it kind of makes you think that there could be something there that hasn't really been tapped. Yeah. Um, but since we haven't really seen it, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that he's not going to be a guy that's going to blow by defenders mm-hmm. or, you know, going to make a lot of plays in isolation. So for me, it kind of makes the Carly Jones situation even more critical because I I don't think that, that Jarrett West is a guy that I I think, I think he's a guy that can score in like pick and roll and situations like that, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to get to the rim either. So at that point, you're kind of relying on Ellis to be your only guy who's really beating people off the dribble. And that, that gets a little bit concerning. Um, ideally you want two of those guys on your team. So the offense never really gets bogged down. I mean, Sam is, Sam is going to do what Sam does, but his game isn't really predicated on beating guys off the dribble. Um, maybe, maybe Jalen Withers from time to time can do that. Um, but still, I, I think the Carly Jones, like it's, it's feels like an exaggeration to say that Carly coming back to this team, could be the difference between like an unranked team and like a top 15 team, but damn, man, it, it, it almost feels like we're getting to that point. Like it's a really big deal. His decision. Um, it, it's, it's a very big deal. It, it, like, I, I think it's like maybe Jordan Wara type area wow. where we're at. That's, that's, that's huge. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as, as I mentioned at the top, you know, Carly Jones announced, he, he, you know, he made a nice Instagram post. It, 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 it was, it was, I don't know. I'll ask you sort of your vibe, but it, it, you know, he mentions the fact that he's planning on, you know, testing the waters, but then he like thanks Louisville fans. And then also in the, you know, in sort of a, I'm not coming back way. And then in the, in the, like the, the press release that Louisville put out, Chris Mack's like, obviously we want Carleek to be back in the Cardinal uniform (laughs) next year, which I found like was also a weird thing to put in the press release. And um, I don't know, Chris, what's, what's your vibe? I have, I will say I've heard everything under the sun. I've heard, 65%, 35% 65%, 35% Carleek is coming back. I've heard 50, 50. I've heard some days he says, I can't wait to be back here. And other days he says, I can't wait to play against professionals. And then I've heard also hundred percent. He's gone. Um, yeah. Is, is, is Earl Clark on campus yet? That's, that's um, I don't want to push my feelings on anyone else. Cause I don't want anyone to be heartbroken, but I just have this feeling that he's coming back. I have no reason to feel that way. Um, and maybe it's just blind optimism on my part, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do to get drafted in workouts um, between now and then. But then again, I don't know what he does if he comes back and plays, how he can improve his stock any more right. than it, he's improved it now. So like, right. I think it just comes down to, do you want to be the guy on campus again? Do you want to play? in a real season do you value college basketball enough to you know it's a fake season i mean i'm I'm officially called it a fake season after that (laughs) mickey Mickey mouse ass tournament um but i don't just do you value the game like i mean for me if i'm looking at it from like my perspective hell yeah i'd love to be like the the guy on campus six year in college like i'll I'll go straight van wilder on that i I don't care like i want to play i mean i so i don't know how do you feel 
I don't know. I'm so it's he he just seems really set on playing professional basketball. Yeah. It just seems like that's important to him. And I know he came I I, I just don't know at what point you know, you kind of, dis- you kind of tell yourself, well, you know, I'm going to be a professional and no one's going to tell me otherwise. And I don't know, man, like it, it, he just seems like the type of guy that if, if he goes and he gets like five opinions about the NBA and this quote unquote testing the waters phase, four of them are like, dude, you need to come back. And one of them says, you know, you might make it. He, he's going to yeah. take the one guy that says I'm going to make it. It just seems uh, it, it's, it's, and it's, it's like the only route he's looking at to like play in the NBA is like the Fred Van Fleet route where right. he just like got in the perfect system. I'm pretty sure that, that Fred Van Fleet played in the NCAA tournament and probably helped his profile a little bit. Um, and that seems like the only avenue that I can think of uh, here lately. I mean, Tyler, what, he's, is, he's, I mean, he's shorter than Fred Van Fleet as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, it, uh, these, these dudes are always lying about their fucking height. So who knows? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Tyler Ewis had like a cup of coffee in the NBA and got on a roster, but that was probably more of a California Perry thing than anything. Um, him getting that spot. Cause he didn't play with the Suns and what he played for like a year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just can't think of a lot, a lot of guys. I mean, it, you know what happens? There's always exceptions to the rules, but it seems like it's a less and less thing. It's it's turned into, you know, a, a league that doesn't value a center, but it's turned into a league that values values big guards. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, just, I mean, Cade Cunningham, yeah. despite like not really looking good in the NCAA tournament, is going to go number one, no questions asked, because he's six foot eight and can hit three. It's like it's like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just like that type of yeah. league, and I don't. Like, yeah, is someone going to take a, a flyer on, on Carly Jones in the second round? I think so. Like, I'm not, I, I, I would, I would very much bet that that would be the case, but is that just like, mm-hmm. is that going to be there next year? Probably. Yeah. It's, it's so, so I mean, it just, it's so it, interesting. It's just valuing, valuing what, what type of value you put on college basketball. Um, like, so like said, let's, let's outline think, this. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just do think that as excited as I am right now, if we're looking at a situation where Jarrett West is a starting point guard and Noah Locke is a two guard and Ellis is probably backing up both positions or, you know, starting making spot starts, maybe he starts. I don't know. It, it's kind of inconsequential to my point. Right. Um, I think that, if you're playing West and lock on the floor together, you're going to have stagnant offense because you have two guards that can't get by defenders. And that's a problem. Um, and that's, that's kind of what scares me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Um, I, I, I think the difference, like, let's just be clear here. I, I think the difference between Carly coming back and not coming back is the difference between whether I think the second weekend expectation is possible or not like i i have been on the record that i think chris mack needs to follow up the disaster that was this season his fault or not with a second weekend trip and i just feel significantly less good about that if carly jones is on the team yeah without carly i'd say fringe top 25 with carly i say in that 10 to 15 range that's how big of a gap I think it is. Like, I think Carly comes back. We're talking about competing for like, we're com- competing for an ACC championship. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I feel that that way. And, um, you know, if, if that's kind of the, the common thread among the fans and, you know, uh, around people who follow the sport, then that should be the standard that it's held to. There will yeah. be no, you miss the NCAA tournament. Well, this and this and this, no, that that'll be done. So um, if you had, so if you had to be, uh, you know, if you had to be the re- reductionist percentage take guy, what percent <laughs> do you feel like it is for Carly coming back? I mean, am I really going to say anything other than 50, 50, because that's all we've heard. <laughs> 50, 50, 50, 50. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what it is. Like, right. It's just like, I'm right there with you. You know, maybe he wakes up in the morning and says he wants to play and that's, that's the end of it. Um, I don't know. I'm always interested in these, type of decisions if like the player speaks to former Louisville players about who have came back mm-hmm. and if they they benefited from it 
or if they speak to who they speak to. I've always found that intriguing um, because obviously you're getting feedback from the NBA, but that's not the only people he's getting feedback from. Right. How involved is Mac in the the process? Um, I have heard from a few people. Um, I haven't heard anything on the car league front, but I have heard from a few people that Mac has actually been involved in the decision-making process for David Johnson, um, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Um, but that's that's been something that's happened. Um, so I'm assuming he probably has a fair amount of feedback with Carly as well, but I don't know that for certain. Um, do we want to talk about DJ at all? I feel like at this point, it is very odd that my guy is seemingly falling down every mock draft you see, um, but still no one really thinks there's any chance he returns. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. I mean, it's, it goes, does it, I mean, it's sort of like the, the oppositeness of, I don't know. It's, it's sort of the opposite deal with, um, with Carlique, you know, I, I don't know. And, and I have seen some people say it's, you know, like, yeah, these, these, these media big boards don't have them, but it just takes one guy to, to, to pick you in the late first round, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what he's banking on. And I think he's banking on understandably. So dominating a, a, a workout. I could see him. It I, seems like a guy that would do that. He seems like the textbook guy to do that. He seems like the textbook dude to, to, to just like kill it in a, you know, in, in an individual, I, you know, not, I'm not comparing him to Emmanuel quickly, but like this, it, it just feels like the type of same type of situation. It's like, you know, Emmanuel quickly probably shouldn't have left Kentucky, but, and he wasn't like really a top, you know, he wasn't our first round pick. He was in everyone's second round but he went and he balled out obviously in a bunch of individuals and the Knicks took him and they're glad they did. <laughs> and um, let me, let me ask you something on, on David Johnson. Obviously there were times this year. Um, I would say probably the peak was the Western Kentucky game to where he really felt like he was elevating his stock. And then for one point or another, I don't know what happened. He ended up being off the ball a whole lot more um, than I ever expected him by the end of the season. And things just kind of plummeted because I think he's a guy that needs to have a ball in his hands. Um, who do you take issue with more for how this season went for David Johnson? Is it the system? Is it David Johnson or did Mac mismanage him? I'm glad you asked this question because I had this conversation many times during the season. And I haven't like had it since like mid February, like or like late January, because we became so infatuated. I've been thinking with about what, it a lot. We've become so infatuated with what Carly Jones did, and what clearly the team just wasn't. The team just needed him to do the things that he had to do. I think honestly, it's more like I like I almost I just wish that this level of three point shooting that Louisville's going to have next year was what they had this year. Because I, I, you can point to that West Western Kentucky, especially game. a guy like Noah Locke, like a guy like Noah Locke, a guy like Matt Cross. That's, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I can, pull, I can pull up the Western Kentucky game right now, and it's like when people, people just weren't making shots, and I don't think David Johnson, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think David Johnson succeeded in games where Louisville wasn't like doing well on offense. Um, just pulling up the Western Kentucky game. They shot 44% from three that game. David Johnson at eight assists because they made shots, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's a dish guy. And when Louisville like showed themselves to be the fraudulent shooters that they were, David Johnson's <laughs> abil- like ability to create opportunities didn't matter anymore. You know? I mean, yeah. One of his best skills is his vision and his ridiculous passing. And then, Sorry, I was, I was drinking water like mentetic. And, um, you know, and then we, you know, David Johnson tried basically being Carly Jones. And teams realize, okay, well, if we can clog, we know we can clog up the zone, we can clog up the paint, and we know that that they're not going to make out outside shots. It was very easy to get David Johnson to turn the ball over. And we, we know yeah. that. So, 100%. I mean, I think, I think, I, 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 that's why I think that that's the bet him and his team are probably going to make, you know, is a, is, is an NBA team going to look at the Clemson game where nobody could make 
anything. And, and David Johnson was finding open guys and they simply weren't going to finish. Or are they going to look at the Western Kentucky game where things were flowing? He was able, you know, he was able to move the ball effectively and had a vision that, you know, 98% of draft project prospects don't have. And you go know, to a top 5% in, 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 in vision awareness, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, what pains me the most about David is it feels like a guy, if he would have went to Kentucky or Kansas or North Carolina or any up-tempo school, he would have balled out. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and I hate that. I hate that so much because I think, like, the roster construct around him was just pretty terrible because it was blatantly <laughs> obvious how good he was in the open court. You look at the Duke game where, I mean, obviously people, he had his shining moment. And it was it was an up tempo game. It was it was David making plays on the break and things like that. And Louisville didn't have the depth to do that, so he couldn't really showcase that as much. And it just it sucks, man, because I think that is going to hurt Mac for a little while, especially locally. Um, I, I we've talked privately about this, but I, I think you know David not making the leap that he did this year is going to hurt Mac as far as like trust from guys locally and getting guys to come here because they see that. I mean, uh, David was on a, a, on a two year plan, right? Like, you know, make me a solid first rounder. If you make me a lottery pick, then that's, that's, that's crazy, but get me in the first round and make sure I'm going to get drafted. And that didn't happen. And I mean, it still could happen, but it won't be because you, you won't be looking at it from the perspective right. of what Matt did. It'll be that David, you know, balled out on, on workouts or whatever. And right. I, I don't know. I just think it, I think that's a big deal, man. No, and I, I, and I, I hate it. I completely agree. And I, I think that that's something, um, I, 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 it's something that's not going to bear out instantly. It's just something that we're just going to see over time and we'll, you know, yeah. we'll, it won't be incredibly obvious, but it's, it's things that we'll, we'll just, we'll point to a hundred percent. Um, you know, I, I think, I think David's a really, I still think he's a great, you know, prospect. He's a great, yeah. you know, a draft prospect. And, you know, he did advance in some ways, you know, he shot, you know, he, he, you know, increases three point shooting percentage, if, you know, immensely on, you know, four times the amount of shots, um, you know, his assist rate was still pretty tremendous. I, yeah. You know, the, 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 I've the, just been, I've just been thinking about this stuff a lot because I looked at Jordan war having a game he had the other night. Right. And I never really thought Matt got credit for his development. Like he deserved like Jordan war became a much better defender and like nothing was said about it. And yeah. that's, that's credit to Mac and he didn't get that. And that's cool. I understand why it's fine, but it sucks when you, you can't get credit for that. And then you're also getting the blame for Johnson. Like it, it, I don't know. It's just been on my mind. We kind of no, no. things here, but I'm glad we had to talk. No, I'm glad we had to talk because I think it's important. And like, I think it's Mac's fault, but it's also like not Mac's fault that Josh Nickelberry missed like 40 open threes this season. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like I, 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 I agree, but also like at what point he, you know, it's roster construction. He just didn't, he didn't have guys who could shoot who could make open shots. You know, Quinslazinski, what didn't make open shots, you know, uh, Josh Nickelberry didn't make open shots. You know, Sam, Sammy Williamson isn't a three point shooter yet. Um, Terry Davis didn't make shots. It's just not, it's those guys weren't, weren't, weren't knocking down the opportunities that David Johnson gave him and still had a great assist rate. So it's almost like he still like succeeded in, in spite of them in some ways. I don't know. It's, it's very, it's, I'll miss David Johnson. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, I, I want David Johnson to say, obviously like as a fan, I do. I, I think, I think it's, it's the time is right for him to go to the NBA. It's just, it just, there's not a ton that can be helped, but the, the shooting that they're going to have this year is exactly the type of offense David Johnson deserves. And it's yeah. a bummer. And, that and they here's, didn't, here's they didn't my last, go ahead. My last fire take. If, if David Johnson wasn't local, the fan base would have talked the way they talked about BJ King about him. <laughs> but instead it was sam williamson so oh my goodness how you like that <laughs> all right we can move on oh my goodness i but like you have to explain that no, it's just like eh, Louisville fans find a player that they don't think lived up to expectations and they compare him to VJ King. They did it to Sam Williamson all year. 
So what would stop them from doing it uh, against the the for the point guard that they crowned as an All American before the season who never really even approached those levels? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I thought I don't know. We're we're running around in this. No, no, no. But it's good. It's interesting. It's something to think about. You even even mentioned the Super Six. (laughs) Yeah, the the season that DJ had was not the season I thought he would have. No, no, 100%. Like I, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I'll say. That's 100%. 100%. 100%. I don't disagree with that. I don't, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, you want to talk about, I, I went to, uh, I guess, anything else about little basketball before we move on? No, I want to. I want to talk about racing because last night was awesome. I it mean, was I awesome, it man. Far, but, but you were there, so I was I'm, I'm there. Jealous. I want to be a hundred percent. I have, uh, I'm not, I don't know. This sounds like, like hipster. I, I was a fan of this band before anybody else, but it's like, I don't know, man. Like I, this, the second that they announced this team, I got on board, uh, I, I, my, you know, my best friend, best man at my wedding, uh, his, his wife, him, he and his wife are very into the United States women's uh, national team. I, you know, I obviously follow them a good amount. So we're splitting tickets for this year. Uh, this is my first time at a sporting event in 13 months. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't tear up seeing the the field and just like kind of taking it in. And uh, God bless my seven month pregnant wife for going. Uh, <laughs> um, because it poured like literally, Chris, the second the like right before the whistle goes it just opens up the heavens just it just it starts raining down upon us and it was i've never been like never in my life been in a situation where it was both coming down rain and the sun just clearly like incredibly out like i had to wear sunglasses while it was raining while i have a mask on while i'm trying to drink my drink i didn't have like a real rain jacket i had a jacket that was waterproof somewhat and it just what because was it was the, uh, what was the uh what was the beer price um eight bucks okay all right i just wanted to ask that go ahead no this it's fine I, it wasn't terrible was it eight i think you could get a cheaper one for six i, I think i was getting like modellos and they're like eight and i think the uh the the regular ones were six uh like the you know the miller lights and of, of that sort course light of that sort so um it was funny because it's just like it's constantly raining and you see the sun and, and my wife, Tara, is just like, you know, it, you know, the, the second we get up, it's going to stop raining the second we go downstairs. <laughs> and it just didn't stop. It was the entire first half. Uh, we were soaked. So then by the time it stopped raining, it like was sunny for like 10 minutes, which we were using that time getting food and everyone was getting food. Um, so by the time we got back up, it was dark and we were cold because we were wet. <laughs> so uh, that second half was was pretty painful. Um, but in terms of like the environment, man, I mean, it, it, that stadium's incredible. Shout out to, you know, everyone at Soccer Holdings for putting that together. They they have freaking they you know they have like the standing room sections and they have like uh drink holders at like on those rails like they're they're rails but then there's like drink holders next to it for each person it's incredibly well thought out uh there's there's not a bad there's not a bad view anywhere um it's small it's big enough that the 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 noise was was well contained it was loud especially during that second goal uh, if you know if you haven't followed you know if you have paramount plus you can watch the game but it kind of went it was louisville probably should have scored like in the first three minutes or five minutes and then they ended up scoring like 10 minutes in then um orlando who they played scored right before halftime and then it was kind of even the entire second half until this and it's i, it, I it's really funny chris did you it, it, were you watching the game did you get a chance to to see any of the yeah odds? i mean I, I i i caught the second half actually so um and they, it's in the, the like yellow card happens where they bring in uh, they brought in a substitution this younger this uh, this younger uh player comes in who's sort of like a up-and-coming prospect for the national team i forget her name and she immediately it wasn't like it wasn't like an angry like i'm trying to hurt you but it was like you just don't go in late like she did and like definitely (laughs) hurt the other the girl i know what you're talking about now riley for orlando and i was that was directly in front of where i was sitting and i've never seen a team in any sport get uniformly so upset at a referee for like a particular action in terms of like 
you have to do something about this. This was like, you hurt them. And like, like miming, like that she was stomping on her. It wasn't that deep. I went back actually just before <laughs> this. It was, it was, you don't do it, but it wasn't on purpose. A yellow card was fair. It wasn't a red, um, but it just yeah. was bad, bad timing. And, you know, um, and then immediately Orlando, I told Tara, I was just like, they're going to score in the next five minutes. And that's exactly what they did. And it was a real fucking good goal. And yeah. I was like, God damn it. Like there's only like, there was only like 10 minutes left and they pulled it off. Racing pulled it off four minutes into stoppage time. Um, I'm losing that. I, I thought I had the name in front of me. Um, it was just an incredible, an incredible moment. Uh, you know, our, our pal Jason Entz, uh, posted a video about it that was really fantastic. Um, and Louisville is just getting a ton of like national attention uh, for this. You I, know, what's go ahead. What's what's really cool that I've noticed from afar. Um, well, two things, actually, like the, the, the way this has happened and just Louisville's enthusiasm for for the game to watch has just been incredible. Like, I, I think like one of the first signals that I can point to of remembering how big soccer could be in mobile was that ucla mobile soccer game and oh, so yeah. we've talked about that um, like, like one of the one of the funnest sporting events i've ever been to in my life honestly um but i think we've gotten to the point to now where we're not just talking about oh it's great that there's ex this excitement for mobile soccer we're talking about like analysis of the game now and yeah. it's became like more than just like a, a, a and obviously it's always going to be an event there's always going to be the social aspect that's great. But it, it seems like there's been a shift where like, we're really, you're knowing the players, you're knowing how they play, you're knowing the other teams that started to happen in, in Lou city. And I, I think that's just going to happen really quickly with racing. And I, I don't know, man, it's, it's incredible to watch it. I, I really like, it, it makes me a little emotional talking about it because I want it a pro sports team in Louisville for all my life and yeah. getting one and seeing it be successful is it makes me so happy. It's incredible. It, it was, it was such a unique feeling that I, I, I can't really fully put into words. And I think that video that Jason posted, like, honestly, is just like the best description of just like what it felt like to be there and no, you're yeah. right. And it's like, to have that feeling of like being a professional area. And, you know, we talked about it before we started recording, Chris, like, like, I, I don't I hesitate from saying like that that Marta is like the the female Messi, but she's won the FIFA World Player of the Year award six times. And she was on the field in the very first she was game. in Louisville, Kentucky last night. Louisville, playing. Kentucky last night. One of like I mean, I don't I don't know enough about women's soccer to say, but like one of the three, probably three to five best women's soccer player ever. Like just like imagine just like thinking, okay, like the first ever game for an NBA team in Louisville, and it's like, you know. Kobe Bryant is on the court. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, and I, I, I told you that I, you know, someone posted that Amina, uh, Amina Ekic, who, who went to Louisville, who was the second pick and the, the fifth pick overall for racing in the, in their first ever draft played in Louisville immediately starts for the team was really good early, you know, had a few great moments, both, both the, the first round picks, uh, Emily Fox, set up the first goal for CC Kaiser, just an incredible long through ball. Just like uh, go watch that if you have it. And then Amini Agich was really good. And she, you know, she plays the first game at the end. She immediately goes up to Marta and switches jerseys. And I'm just like telling you, like I told you before, it's like, imagine this is your first professional soccer game. And just like, <laughs> literally just like right there. Holy hell. Like that's just insane to think about. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, just like national people, people who I have like long time followed, even like in men's soccer, just uh, reporters and people just like, this is awesome. This is exactly what we want the NWSL to be and what it can be. And Louisville immediately is going to have a top like five environment, you know, the, the, the league, I think they're the 11th team, you know, a top, you know, top half, top three environment. I think Seattle and, and Portland, like they just regularly sell out like 20,000 people out there. Why, and why, why does it work so well in Louisville though? Because I think like the, the contrarian, when they were looking at loose city is like, you know, there's, there's a lot of excitement around it right now because it's new and it, it'll kind of die off. And yeah. It's, which it did, it's faded uh, which a little it has bit, but it didn't really fade that much. Though. Like no. it, there wasn't like a significant drop off. It's just worked here. <laughs> Why? It's just a thirst, man. It's a thirst for something that matters. And I think that that's why like racing 
is so is such a great fit for this city in a way that Louisville City Louisville City isn't quite. Where it's just like you're right. This is a professional team, and like I mentioned, to you it's like they're tapping into something that doesn't really get seen on a, on, on a kind of national level on kind of like what we look at when we follow men's sports, where it's just like this overwhelming desire to care about women's sports and that there's an audience that hasn't been tapped into. And I know a lot of people who are dumb like to roll their eyes when they say, Oh, you know, you know, the, the, who cares about the WNBA or the NWSL, but just like the, like the WNBA puts out jerseys, all the like they just put out this like set of jerseys that's incredibly fire and gets like hundreds of thousands of social media like reactions and and it's and if you're if you're saying that you're likely a poor businessman because <laughs> this is a great market that is clearly being expanded upon and and dudes are, are, are making money uh you know tapping into this. so i would say that but like even some of the local media people they said they were asking around you know people uh, talking to people People came from Nashville, from Columbus, from Indianapolis, from Cincinnati to come see this first game and see this team. And like I told you, Chris, it's like there was like a hundred, like maybe not a hundred, like a, a, a good section of like 50 Orlando Pride fans. And like, I don't know if they're yeah. from Orlando, but they all had uh, Krieger jerseys who, you know, Krieger used to play on the women's national team, isn't so much involved anymore, starting defender. Um, and, you know, it in Marta jerseys and it I was like wow like this this is just they're tapping into a community that hasn't gotten its due hasn't gotten the right amount of spotlight and these games are it's going to be a tough ticket to get and it's going to be a really fantastic deal and you know I would not be surprised if they're getting eight ten thousand people every game once this is fully opened up because they had no problem getting to nearly six thousand. They got you know they they had an effective sellout. You you there were some open areas where you could stand, but I think people didn't want to. But like my my wife, you know, she works in senior care and 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 she has a resident that is incredibly into soccer, incredibly into Louisville City, and he was like, I couldn't get a ticket. You know, I didn't want to stand up. I'm like, you know, he's like, he's like 80 years old. He's like, I, I wanted to go with my son and we always go to little city games. I couldn't get a ticket anywhere. Yeah. It's going to be insane. I'm so excited. Gosh, I keep breathing. Excuse me. I'm so excited to see what they do this summer. It's just going to be an incredible year that the next game uh, they play away next weekend and then have a game on uh, uh, two weeks from Monday. Um, so it's it's going to be quite interesting to see how that game goes and 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 you're you know you're going to be able to see women's national team players you know international superstars essentially every weekend this summer you know every other weekend yeah, this summer and, in and like i like i said we're we're getting it feels like anyway we're getting past the point to where it's like this novelty thing and we're actually getting like real analysis oh yeah you know and, and things about that and i enjoy that because i i've talked about that before is like the the sport deserves the respect that you you give it so you should treat it you know like you like you wouldn't analyze any other game if, if you're going to be a yeah. true fan in my opinion um so i'm i'm excited to see that man yeah it's, and i like it, like even like kind of to speak to that i sat in the section where next to me was just like 30 young like probably like 12 year old girls for their academy yeah man and just like that's awesome and like and to my wife you know her her best friend one of her best friends played soccer all through you know she played for manual tried you know played a played a little bit uh in college and she texts her she's like i hated soccer I hate going to your games i found it really boring but just like seeing this here like it makes sense to me and like i understand it now in a way i didn't before and i'm like she's like i'm tearing up just like seeing like how much this matters to people and it, it just it, it felt so special like i said in a way i can't really describe so if you can't you know if you can go to a game i'm sure they have a ton of tickets available for this next game it's on a monday night so i'm sure it won't be you know there's not gonna be quite the demand as there would be on a saturday night hopefully it won't rain <laughs> like it did <laughs> um but i would 100 percent recommend you go and i'll be there and you know if you see me or, you know say sup it was it was the first time i've been around people in that type of way in 14 months and it was kind of disarming in some ways but it is what it is i don't know fully vaxxed shout out so i don't know it is what it is <laughs> right <laughs> um yep. anything else before we get to these questions no man i think All right. that, that, that pretty much covers it let's roll through them cool let's roll through them um okay 
Sleepy Card Fan asks, how many threes per game do you expect Louisville to shoot and make next season? So I I'm have, gonna, that's a good question. I'm interested to see how much the style does change. Cause I, I think they have the, they're not going to play like Alabama, um, but they have the capacity at, at times to, to kind of play that style. And work. Definitely. I'm pulling up. Uh, I, I have their, their, so they shot um, their, their style component for their offense was only 30.3% of the total field goals attempted were three pointers. Um, <laughs> that's pretty wild. That's a pretty low number. That was 316th. I can actually look at how that reflects in Chris Mack's time. Um, last year it was 38%, which was 164th in the country. And then hit, uh, Chris Mack's first season, it was 43.7%, which was 56th in the country. That's really high. Yeah. Um, where do you see that number? And I don't think it would be unreasonable to be higher than last year. Actually, I, I, I would that, hope it's higher than last. No, year. no, not la- last year. I'm talking about the Jordan Ward team. Oh, okay. The, uh, 38%. Yeah, I don't. I, I think they could. I think they could surpass that mark. Actually, um, I don't think shooting. I'm not always the big. I sound like the like the old man, like the 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 rig, the, the like the the sports reporter. I'm not the craziest about just jacking up a bunch of threes, but I think they could play that way if they want to. I don't think it's crazy to think that they're shooting, you know, sixteen to twenty threes a game. I, I I don't think that's impossible. I don't think that's impossible either. Um, I think I'd probably, I'd probably say that thirty eight percent is is a good target. Yeah. 35 to 38%. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a little closer to 35, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's 38. And then in general, uh, Louisville made only 30.8% of their threes. So <laughs> I think if Louisville's, I will be shocked if Louisville shooting anything less than 35. I think it'll be a failure if they're shooting anything less than 35. Obviously the goal is 37, 38 um, percent from three. Uh, but that would be pretty shocking if they're below 35, I think at this point. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. For some reason, oh, I was like, who is I'm looking at like the total stats for Louisville, and there's a you know, there was a, a walk-on named Ashton Miles DeVore, who I legitimately forgot existed until just now. <laughs> um, so shout out to Ashton Ashton uh, uh, Miles DeVore. Uh thanks, yeah. thanks for your service. Um KEC asks, do you expect any more roster changes, departures, or additions? <laughs> That's an intriguing one. I think um, like outside of Carleek is probably the best way to put this. Yeah, because I, I think there could be, I mean, we've, we can just come out and say it, that people have talked about Quinn Zizinski possibly mm-hmm. leaving. Um, but it seems like that's cooled a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. If I've, I've heard a few people um, tamp down on that. So this could be it. I, I think like, I'm kind of in disagreement and this might be another question too. Um, but I'm kind of in disagreement with others that like are just so gun ho about Louisville going and getting a big. Yeah. I like the way that they can play with, with the team that they have. I think a guy like, you know, Garrison Brooks, who is going to be targeted by a lot of schools would not really fit well at Louisville because he doesn't play like, just doesn't seem like that guy that would, that would fit in style. I like having, you know, guys one through five that can step out and shoot and that can really switch defenses and, and kind of do whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm fine. I'm actually fine with not going and getting another big. So long winded way to say, no, I, I don't think there'll be any more changes. I'm, I'm with you on the big thing, Chris. I, I don't quite understand some fans who really want to have a big, I get it. You know, Malik Williams, um, if he gets hurt, you're in trouble. I think, I think it's just trouble. the, I think it's just the last image of the season of Mark Williams just going ballistic against us. Probably that might be like definitely. People I think definitely. I think people have PTSD on that. But you know, you, you know, you are the the captain of the JJ Trainer train. Absolutely, and you'll be damned if you don't think that JJ Trainer <laughs> can step into that role. Some, uh, I think JJ Trainer can, can should you know his a hundred percent goal should be uh, and and you need to, you need to give us the scoop, Chris, because you've got the connections down there how many <laughs> how many meals a day is jj trainer having and why is it less than five <laughs> yo my dude was before before he got he was one of the players on the team there was only one player that did but he before he got covid my dude was eating like five or six meals a day wow i was told that he lost like 
maybe like 10 pounds or something when that was all going on. When he had COVID. Um, I, I can't, yeah, I can't even remember who told me that. I think it was more like not just because of COVID, but because like having COVID, the breaks, not working out, not being held to a wrench a bit, a, a mixture of different things. That but that makes sense, Chris. That. That, I don't, that makes I don't sense. think it's, I don't, I don't think it's just him getting COVID, but yeah, he was on the plan to, you know, they wanted him to gain 20 pounds and it just didn't happen for a lot of reasons. Um, so I'd be surprised if he comes back and, you know, looks as thin as me again for this season. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that would be, that will go a little, will go a long way there. And, you know, who knows what, uh, what, what Gabe Winitzer does, uh, you know, he, he could really make some yeah. leaps, you know, I guess that's there. And then um, Roosevelt Wheeler, who I, I just don't know what to expect from him. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting anything injury. more than, than 10 minutes a, a game or yeah. Yeah. Like I, th- I think 10 we minutes a game two... would be good. We have two big men that have foot injuries right now at the point. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> oh, that's ideal. Uh, Alan Avian Dentures asks, did Carleek's announcement make you more or less confident he'll return? Which we, we kind of talked a little bit about, but I, I didn't ask specifically. Yeah. I don't think it changed much for me. I don't, I don't look into that stuff a ton. Um, always get curious on who writes that stuff. Did, did Carly write that or did he tell someone how he feels and they wrote it up for him or, or how that happened? Um, right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't change much for me. I kind of don't feel one way or another. Yeah. I, I, as I said, I am like the way he wrote it felt I'm leaving. And then the way Chris Mack reacted was like, uh, don't worry. I think he's going to come back. <laughs> is there a, is there a, uh, is there a similar I'm trying to find the word that I'm looking for? Like, you know, like head coach season when things get crazy and they're looking for a head coach, it's like flight tracker season. Is there like <laughs> a thing for that with, with players? Is it like Instagram follow season? Or we is need it like workout Instagram like seasons? Yeah, man. We need Instagram I mean, like you, season. I'll be checking. The you, broke the, you, you broke the news that Noah Locke was coming to Louisville before anyone, to be honest, if, if we're being real, like you had that he was following Louisville men's basketball. Um, I don't know. So I need you to do something similar with that on, on car league. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to give me that credit. I definitely didn't get that from anywhere else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> someone noted it. I, I kind of, I kind of microphoned it. Um, so, you know, shout out to that person uh, who doesn't want it. Probably doesn't want me to tell, but yeah, they are. They are. Um, <laughs> um you know, it is what it, it is. What it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry with you. I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's. We'll, we'll see in terms of uh, up or down. I, I don't. I have no level of clarity. I'm not going to pretend to have any level of clarity. I'm overanalyzing everything, and everything takes me yeah. back to the middle ground in curly in terms of I have no idea yep. what he's going to do, and I think it's going to depend on what he wakes up one day and decides, and okay. then he'll do it. Uh, okay. Our buddy, not mad on online two, four, seven shout out, uh, our, our good dog. Uh, if Carly returns big, if what's the last piece of the puzzle for next year's team, it could be either a player or a scheme or something of that nature. It's, I mean, it's to get JJ trainer off the block and to use him <laughs> to space the floor more. And it's to get Malik, with some type of offensive game that you kind of saw, like he was starting to starting to grasp before the end of it, his injury, like his first injury. I know it seems so long ago, but if you remember, he seemed like he was a guy who was able to score and his offense was really coming around and then all that stuff happened. So it's just a, I think sure up the identity and the roles of the front court. Um, it's to get Jalen Withers playing with confidence and to get him completely comfortable in his position. And like me and you have both said, looking at the guy in front of him and saying, I'm more athletic than you. I'm faster than you. I'm going to score on you and doing that consistently um, because he had games where he was up and down, up and down. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just, I think it, for me, um, I don't know about you, but for me, it's just shoring up what you want the front court to look like and how you want them to play. Um, and for me, I, I think it's just spacing. That was my first thought initially. It, it was the front court and and just figuring out, you know, as you said, the this fan base is was was terrified by Mark uh by Mark Armstrong. And um it, it's Mark Williams. Mark Williams, Mark Armstrong. Who's Mark Armstrong? <laughs> Mark Williams just absolutely destroying them. Um, so I, I think that that's a hundred percent something that that I'll be looking at, and I'm not gonna skip an opportunity to mention my dude 
uh, my, my, my dude, Sammy Williamson. Uh, I think him <laughs> developing a three-point shot would be incredibly important. I've been told that's apparently his goal for this season, summer. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's apparently his goal for this summer. So we will 100% see how that goes. And I think him adding another dimension to his game, he's going to have to carry some of the load. So yeah. that's um, that's going to be re- that's going to be really important and him coming into his own because this this is the, this is the make or break year for him as well. Um, I think if he really wants to be an NBA player, it, it's going to have to happen this coming season. Uh, okay, I'm high clutch asks. Assuming DJ leaves and opens up another spot, you have to think that that goes to a guard, right? I can't bank on Carly coming back only when us only having three guards on the roster. We really haven't heard any other names. So I guess the question is if DJ leaves and Carly doesn't come back, do you see them adding another guard, Chris? That's where things get a little dicey. I would hope so. Cause I think they need another one. Maybe they, maybe they go after Rocket Watson. I don't know. I think they, I don't know if they're out of that sweepstakes or if they even want to be in that, that sweepstakes. Um, I think the, the would, problem with that is, is that, if Carleek and DJ are gone, is the Bracco Watts the guy that you want to bring in because he says he wants to be a, a shooting guard? Like you, you want a serviceable PG, right? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Um, but at, at that point, I think you might be scrambling a little bit anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I like I said, I I topped off the show at the beginning talking about how I'm still a little concerned how things will look if, yeah. Yeah, if, if Carly leaves. Um, so I, I, you know, I would like that decision just to get made Quick. relatively soon. Um, so, you know, they can, they can have a, a fair chance. I think there's probably still a fair amount of guys who, who still may be entering the Porter. There's some guys that I expected to enter that still haven't yet. Um, I'll say that CJ Frederick is one of those people um, from Iowa. And I don't mm-hmm. know why that hasn't happened. I don't know if he's staying now or, or what's going on. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I ideally, I think you'd, you'd want to get another guard, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that's a good point. We didn't even mention in the Carly discussion. It's like the, the quicker we figure that out, if he's leaving, it's probably better for this team. So we'll, we'll see on that end. I wouldn't be shocked if they try and add another guy. I don't know, man. Like he was just like a, just I'm trying to think of like someone in Louisville history. That's just like a backup point guard that, that I would like compare said person to Fresh Kimball. Well, Fresh Kimball like started a lot. Yeah, that's true. Who is a Quan for? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to say like Elijah justice, but like a better Elijah justice, Tim Henderson. <laughs> I don't think it's a terrible, like a better Tim Henderson. Like, I got to know, man. Like, I, like a guy that just can come in and like manage things for 10 points, a, 10 minutes a game. Right. Yeah, just, just, just play and give you some just play and, 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 you know, set some things up and not, you know, and just, just, just get like gritty and, you know, work hard, you know, not to, not to evoke every white point guard. Gabe wants grit. Stereotypicalness. Um, but you get what I'm saying, man. Like I just, I want a guy that can come in and, and do things for a little bit. Um, yeah. All right, last question, uh, which comes from a buddy of mine, and I have to give some context. Um, what are your thoughts on preseason rankings? I will hang up and listen. So the context of this is my buddy Brandon. Uh, we had a conversation about preseason rankings and sort of the – I think it's a good question for you, Chris, because it's like the media always wants to look at these types of things, especially when we're talking about things in preseason, when there's no games happening. <laughs> Top 25 rankings, too early, way too early, too early, not too early, top 25 rankings. Do you think it's a reductive practice since it doesn't really matter? What's what's your take on it? How serious do you take it? And I know you like even talked a little bit about today. Like, you know, if Carly Jones comes back, they're a top 15 team. Is that a good way to look at things is or should we be doing something differently? Um, I was trying to find a bracketology for next season when I saw this question to just spring on you. Um, <laughs> I, but I, but I couldn't, I couldn't find one. Unfortunately, Joe Lenardi is nowhere to be found. No, right that's now. way too <laughs> early. <laughs> um, I think what's a little interesting about this year is that the top 25 rankings, um, that are coming out have never met less than they do right now because of the transfer market. I think that they are mostly there for reading and to keep college basketball relevant. But because you have this amazing free agency of college basketball, which for me is fun as hell to follow. I enjoy right, it. Definitely. 
you don't need that content. Um, so it's it's even less significant than it already was. I, I I mean, I generally think rankings in college basketball are stupid and don't really matter a lot um, unless you're the number one team in the country because then you can put that number one next to your name. You can tweet that out. You can do it on social media, whatever you want to do. Then it means something. It's good for recruiting. Outside of that, don't really care too much. I think a weird odd take. I'll get in here real quick. Yeah. UCLA being three and in some of these rankings that are coming out right now <laughs> is ridiculous. <clears throat> like ridiculous. Nobody believes that. I, I don't even think the people writing it actually believe that, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't really care too much about rankings. Um, not to, uh, it's a pretty boring take, basic take, but I how think, do you feel? No. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think my, my contrarian take to this is that rankings and top 25 rankings are like actually Im- really important in co- in collegiate sports because they just kind of set the narrative for the season. And that's what makes, I mean, that's what makes college basketball and college football fun in terms of your team. You, you know, you have a fringe top 25 team. They make the top 25. You, you win a couple games you have ranked. It just, it gives you an identity and an understanding and, and a, and a, and a road marker for each game. You know, we're playing it, you know, we're not ranked and we're playing a top 10 team on Friday or, you know, or Monday night on big Monday. And, you know, what does that do? How does that change what you, what your expectations going in? And, and, you know, we love the stories. I think from an analytical perspective, I'm always obviously going to lean on analytics. I'm not, you know, uh, the 17th team in the country on AP, if they're 45th and Ken Palm, like that, that's going to, the 45 on Ken Palm is going to mean a lot more to me than the seven, you know, than what, you know, a hundred white sports writers around the country want to say. <laughs> um, but I do think that especially for kind of the, the 10,000 feet view of collegiate sports, it's important. And uh, yeah, no one's hanging a banner for, for top 25 for, you know, number one team in the country, unless you're Florida state and you didn't get to play the NCAA tournament. For uh, story. Um, <laughs> but um I think it's, I think it's like still important, but I, I think we also like lean too much on it. If that makes sense, like, yes and no, like they're not important, but they are important and they should be important, but they shouldn't be as important as we make them. Cause like how many yeah, of, like, of these top 25s, he's not oh, way too early. Like all of them are going to be very wrong as you kind of joked here with UCLA. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I, thought something was going on i think that's a good way to classify i think they probably mean more to the players um actually Mm, than they do to the fans. it's always funny to me that coaches are still in 2021 preaching about the ranking meaning nothing and i'm like dude like there's a reason why on instagram (laughs) every time a team's ranked the entire roster is sharing like they're they're proud of that stop lying to our faces please And it's, I don't know, it's funny because I, like, you know, there's just, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely things that people do that are dumb, like you said, like, that usually other thing is such a good example. That's so dumb. People are just doing that just to do that. It's like, of course, they made, you know, they made the final four. Can they continue? Can they turn that success into something next season? And they probably won't. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like the roster is going to be pretty bare. Uh, you know, yeah, and I mean, they, they got historic numbers. Like, are you really going to shoot that way for an entire season? No, like, you're not. You're yeah. not, you're not going to do it. So it, it's, you know, it's, you, 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 it's very easy to find a, a, a too early top 25. That's completely wrong by the end of next season. But I think it's also just like, you know, especially in these off seasons where all we have is pen and paper, they, they matter and they keep things moving. As you said, you know, the summer, you got to have something it's dumb, but it, it is what it is. I don't know. You know what we need like bracket matrix has done. We need to hold these people accountable. <laughs> well, there's I, there I, I want to go be... back to Goodman. Who, who at the beginning of the season is going to have UCLA at like 19th or 20th and nothing has changed about it. And I'm going to be like, Goodman, what changed? You had him three like a month ago. Is that just for fodder? I, I need to know. We need to hold these people accountable. There used to be a group that I don't I think it was college football. It was on CBS, like a guy who did like pole oh, attacks. Yeah. And he would like go to people and be like, you're an idiot. Like, why did you do this? I remember I emailed a guy once who like still had Louisville, like the number one team in the country, the Lamar Jackson year or something for like a long period of time. 
and no one else did it. And I emailed him. I think he like, I think he was a reporter for uh, the LA times. And he was just like, gave me this really smart answer. I was like, you know, this is probably really dumb, but I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you being this guy for this band base, man. And then they lost a bunch of games and it is what it is. <laughs> uh, that's all the questions I have, Chris, anything else before we lock this thing up? No, man, it was a good pod. Good pod. Good pod. We'll, we'll, as uh, we, there should be, there should be news. We'll have another pod probably in another week or a half. You know, whenever we get the Carly news, we'll talk about it. Um, there's, uh, I, I, I think Chris, you, you kind of pointed to the fact that the director of basketball operations uh, at, uh, opening is up on Louisville's website, which uh, says to me that what everyone has pretty much said that uh, the Kill Fennel is going to be the one of the assistant coaches. So Louisville will be looking for two positions there. Um, I heard someone say, I think it was maybe Jody. I saw, I saw him say that there might be like changes in sort of how the, the organization structure is in terms of like, they might not have like three assistants. They might have a guy that does something associate or something different. I don't know. We're going to get an offensive coordinator. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that would be, that would be quite fun, but um, yeah. So I I think that's it, but I appreciate everyone listening. This was fun. Uh, Go, go get racing Louisville tickets. Go see racing Louisville because they're fun as hell. Uh, Chris stay safe up there in, in, in Maine, man. Don't get too crazy. Don't uh, you know, just, just, just keep up, keep, keep doing the good work and being our, our, our main correspondent. Yeah, enjoying the seaside breeze right as we speak. Oh, so. man, I'm jelly of that. I'm 100% jelly of that. Uh, <laughs> but thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next time. <laughs>